All right, let's do this. Welcome first-time listeners and returners to the Sports Deli, where everyone deserves a seat at the table. Today, we will discuss the intersection between race and sports, mental health, leadership, equality, social injustice, and white privilege. So grab your favorite deli sandwich or bagel and your favorite beverage, and let's do this together in the Sports Deli. We are joined today by some incredible sheroes and pioneers in their own right. Oh my goodness. So we have Susan Summons, legendary coach from the state of Florida. You can find her online at susansummonsspeaks.com. Eileen Hauser, formerly of Nike, now with Athletes Unlimited. We have Tiffany Bullock from Women X. You can find them online at womenx.org. They're doing amazing things. We're also joined by Molly Kazmer, Machine Gun Molly, Vice President of Legends of the Ball. And what a career she had. We're also joined by Adrian Mitchell Newell. Oh, my goodness. Legendary player from the University of Kansas and also one of the original players in the WBL, Ruthie Bolton. Oh, my God, whose story of courage and inspiration you don't want to miss and you definitely don't want to miss hearing her blow and flexing not one but two biceps. Oh my goodness, unbelievable. Dan Hughes, former WNBA coach and champion, ally, who has come out of retirement, ladies and gentlemen, to be an assistant coach for his daughter's youth basketball team. And finally, we are joined by Retha Swindell, a legend at the University of Texas and one of the members of the Legends of the Ball. But one in particular today we're celebrating... During this year, the 50th anniversary of Title IX, a pioneer, an influencer, and an amazingly courageous woman. Two weeks after the 50th anniversary of Title IX, that was on June 23rd, Ray Pond's legacy work with Nike historically changed how swoosh navigated sports for women. She not only had the courage to convince Nike to value the importance of equal representation of marginalized women, in particular Black women, regarding name, image, and likeness, but how they could profit from this win-win endeavor by attracting more women and young girls globally. She was the manager of women's professional basketball at Nike in the sports marketing department where she spent 11 years and was the primary liaison with some of the most popular women's athletes and coaches in the world like Cynthia Cooper, Lisa Leslie, and so many more. But before that, she was the manager of the University of Oklahoma's women's basketball program after playing her high school ball in Medford, Oklahoma. And before Nike, Ray worked for Billie Jean King's Women's Sports Foundation. She's always been an ally and still is even in retirement. Uh, So ladies, all of you and Ray in particular today, uh, man, what an honor it is to have you in the Sports Daily Podcast where everyone, especially women, deserve a seat at the table. Well, thank you for that introduction. That's pretty amazing. Um, where'd you get that information, Liz? <laughs> Honestly, no. I, I mean, I listen to your uh-uh. podcast with Ruthie and uh, those amazing uh, sheroes. You know, you pick up some things here and there on the internet, but, you know, uh, Elizabeth, you jump in anytime you want, but, you know, I'm always fascinated to hear people's stories and we created a safe space here on this anti-racist equality podcast. And I've just tried to do my best to be an ally but, you know, you, you shared it on the last podcast that your your parents were deaf 
and had cerebral palsy. And um, I'm always interested in people's upbringings and how that shaped them and the decisions that they made. You know, it's sort of a running joke in my family. I have had six dads, two of them committed suicide. And, um, you know, that obviously has shaped me into some of the decisions, a lot of the decisions that I've made and how I see the world and the lens that I see the world with. But share with everybody, you know, how that was and how that shaped you and how you saw the world. Well, uh, for me, fortunately, Medford was a a great town. And actually, uh, some of my classmates' parents graduated with my dad in 1956. So I always felt comfortable in Medford. Um, It was when we went outside of Medford that I realized that my parents were different. And, uh, you know, we'd go to Enid, Oklahoma, and people would stare at my parents and make comments, those poor kids, stuff like that. And then You know, I just remember uh, being three or four years old and I lost my parents in a a major supermarket and I couldn't find them. And I, you know, I couldn't scream. I couldn't do anything because they couldn't hear me. So I remember just sitting down on the floor and figured they'd come find me sometime soon. People would come up to me. and I said, no, my parents are coming. My parents are coming. But, you know, I think when you have seen people get treated uh, unjustly like that, those situations that you kind of see um, other things. And I pick up on it all the time. Um, I pick up on racism. Um, I pick up on people being treated differently because of their handicap or um, just the way they look physically. And it has always been, I've always been a champion of my parents. And I think that has just carried on to whatever. I, I, I can't even tell you. When I was young, people would be staring at my parents. I, I would say stuff like, hey, get a camera, take a picture next time, and it'll last longer. Or I, you know, I just straight up, why don't you quit staring at my parents? Just stop, you know? So I always was that person defending my parents and defending the deaf community, um, friends of theirs. But um, anyway, it, it, there were, you know, I didn't have the normal, you know, mom and dad, and a lot of people don't. Um, I learned sign language before I learned how to talk. So um, I know all the words in sign language. <laughs> and I have used them all, I think. <laughs> but anyway, I think my parents also, because of their deafness, um, we were never, we never watched soap operas. And back back then when we first got the television, it was in the 60s. Um, early 70s, probably when we got a television, and there wasn't the teletype. So we watched sports a lot because my dad was into sports and that really, um, anything that was talking like a soap opera or anything like that, we never watched that. And I think that a lot was because they were deaf. You can see action. If it was a movie, it was going to be an action movie. And um, those are the things that you just do when you have deaf parents or right? back then I mean back then we didn't even have uh, text messages we had the little the old hook the, the the phone up to the teletype right and half the time my parents wouldn't answer it because they didn't like doing it <laughs> so anyway they were pretty good I had some pretty good parents so I mean that, they that's... Sports. they love this WNBA and I don't know on the podcast what you heard but um you know, a lot of the athletes, well, not a lot. Some of them came to Medford, Oklahoma, just to meet them. And I could talk about that later. Okay. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I heard that story, man, that was, that must have been emotional to know that they came to help support you and your parents when they needed you the most. So yeah, that's, that's an incredible story. Hopefully we'll hear about that later. Um, anybody can jump in at any time. Um, talk about your grandmother. My other grandmother died when my mother was born and there was a twin, the twin died. So I never had her, but my grandmother Pond was into photography. Mm -hmm. She was always, um, as a young person telling me that women had rights, that women could do this, women could do that, you know, to set my goals higher than what I was thinking I could do. And, um, I mean, she pretty much, um, at a young age, she and two of her friends started the post first photography shop in Winfield, Oklahoma. And usually women didn't do that. So that she had her own business. And then she married my grandfather and they started a newspaper business in Medford, Oklahoma. Um, so she was a strong woman. And the other thing about her is she told my grandfather, my mother's father, that they would be responsible for this family. So if my mom and dad had children, they would be there as the backup support to help take care of us. And uh, I think we both have done pretty well. I mean, we both went to the University of Oklahoma my brother has a master's from Stanford in engineering. He's got two degrees, uh, physics, uh, electrical engineering. Um, he worked at Apple for years and now he's with Adobe. And uh, then I went on after my, I got encouraged to do an internship at the Women's Sports Foundation and then ended up at Nike. And now I'm back in Kansas City, just working on projects and doing photography work. Amazing. Coach Hughes, I appreciate you jumping on just to say hello and show love to Ray, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got a special guest and I just wanted to give her a shout out. You know, I was around uh, at near the beginning of the WNBA and this woman had so much to do with the beginning points. And I, I, I see the fruits of her labor. Uh, and I just wanted to give her a shout out and say, you know, I was a young, well, younger coach back then. <laughs> As I reflect back, Ray had an awful lot to do with the beginnings and, and I think the fruits of what is what is happening and will happen, you know, with with women in general, but specifically with women in professional basketball. Wow, thanks, Dan. I appreciate wow. that. Wow. I appreciate that. Not a problem. But uh, anyway, I, I, I've got a I, I've got my grandson's got a big baseball game tonight. Oh, look. You know, <laughs> I, I understand the baseball be, thing. <laughs> you've, got, you've got some wonderful people here, but all my best. Uh, and seeing Ruthie there in the picture, golly, God bless. <laughs> she spoke right. to my team in Seattle, and I got a championship out of that year. That's so right. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> you're, talking, you're talking to a lot of gold there. So you enjoy yourself and all the best to y'all. All right. Thank all you, right. Dan. God bless you. All right. Thank you, Dan. Thanks, Coach. All right. Wow. So you guys can jump in anytime. Eileen, I know you you said your time might be limited today. Did you want to jump in and ask or share some love? Show, you know, you worked with Ray, obviously, and you guys have known each other a while and you have yeah. a unique perspective on things. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously I have a lot of gratitude for Ray. I um 
you know, I started working with the Phoenix Mercury when the WNBA started in 97 and Ray and I, that was our first time we got to know each other because she had interns that, that came and actually worked with each of the WNBA organizations at that time. So, you know, I got to know Ray and, and really um, got to see just her in action, her interaction with the athletes. Um, you know, it's one of those things you see somebody from afar, you don't realize all these people are watching you, but obviously had a lot of eyes on Ray and what she was doing and how she was doing her job that, that really helped me not only, you know, in my job at Nike, but also while I was working with the Phoenix Mercury and how you worked with athletes, Ray. And I mean, I, I really, I learned from you because, um, you know, through that intern program, through the opportunities that you provide me to, to um, you know, volunteer at the Final Fours, um, you know, I, I owe my, my um, career at Nike to you. Um, and, and I really never had the opportunity to say that to you, but, but, I, but I truly do. Um, and it was an honor to, to step into your shoes um I, it was it was a great run I, I think you know there's so many wonderful things that are happening now for women in in basketball specifically in women's pro basketball that we're seeing that are happening at Nike and and honestly it's it's really part of the fruits of your labor my labor and and what we did there you know with the what 20 I was there 15 you were there 11 26 years um that we were in that then we we're the only two people that were in that position so just, you know, thank you. Thank you for kind of showing me the way and, and truly opening my eyes to that opportunity and, and what could and should be done for the women. Well, thank you, Eileen. Wow. I remember Eileen well. We also had to make a catchings down there mm -hmm. as an intern. And uh, I think that- You know, the two interns that I worked with are still in the game. So Natalie White, who's- White, right. Sparks, right? And, and Tamika, and, and honestly, that, that experience with both of them was, was really special. And, you know, personally running that Planet League, um, you know, I, I think it was a program that was kind of before its time and, and you and your position at Nike believed in it and, and obviously helped us um, with, with dollars and product and stuff to make that Planet League go, but um, you know, I, I think that was something that was, it was cool. It was a really cool time. Oh yeah. yeah. I remember well, it was pretty awesome. Especially the Phoenix Mercury. <laughs> Anytime you had too many stories, not for this podcast. <laughs> it would take a whole, it would take the whole day. I got so many stories about the Phoenix Mercury. Uh, thank you, Eileen. I appreciate that. I really do. And so for those of you that don't know, Eileen is currently the Senior Advisor of Operations at uh, Athletes Unlimited, and what they're doing is incredible, and so mm -hmm. that should be celebrated as well. Uh, Eileen, do you want to talk about that briefly? Because I know you guys have, is it softball that's starting now? Yeah, we're, we're getting yes. ready to kick off our third year of softball with Athletes mm -hmm. Unlimited. Um, yeah, it was actually a year ago, I was hired in this senior advisory role, which was a, a contract role, um, but got hired full-time with them in March, now as director of sport for basketball. So my primary responsibility is helping run the basketball league, but also, you know, as any startup we're doing it, and just like the WNBA, honestly, like we're all doing a million different things. So I've been pulled into softball and I actually am having a blast. 
um, helping the director of sport for softball. Um, right now I'm doing equipment. So I'm dealing with Nike on all the softball equipment. And, oh my God. Um, but no, it's been fun. I, I, I can't, you know, I have no hard feelings about my experience at Nike. And, and I was just super, super lucky to fall into this opportunity with Athletes Unlimited. We, we have two amazing co-founders who Liz has had the opportunity to meet two men that are truly vested and passionate about what women's sports can be and the investment around women's sports. And, um, and it's an honor to, to work for those two gentlemen at Athletes Unlimited. And, and there's a lot of great people that are, that are part of it. And um, I mean, the fact that in year two, we now have softball and lacrosse both on ESPN. Um, I, I, I think this, this platform and this, uh, the way that it's all set up is, is only gonna be more successful down the road. Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Phenomenal. Yes. Long overdue. Go ahead, Elizabeth. No, I was just said it was just very nice uh, meeting Eileen and I connected on LinkedIn too, but it's very nice. And then I, this basketball world is so small. Then I realized her relationship, I'd known about her relationship with Ray. So it was good getting to meet her. It's just a small sports world and an even smaller basketball world. So it's been good working with her and getting to know her. And we've got some things planned for the future. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, I haven't really met that many people that have it. And I think all of you know what it means. You know, you just, you have the ability to work a room and then it's even beyond that, right? It's your ability to feel people's energy, to understand mm -hmm. from the first thing that comes out of someone's mouth, you know, where they're at today and listening to their stories, being a good listener and being able to navigate spaces from people with different backgrounds. Uh, and, you know, Ray is certainly that person, whether it was men, women, you know, women of color, older women, younger women, you know, that's just what I've, what I've heard and what I've seen. I can feel it today. You know, you can just feel not just the level of swag and confidence, but just, just the way that she respects everybody and what an articulate listener you are, you know, even after having done a million of these and been in the space for so long, um, I recognize that right away. And it's just, uh, you know, amazing to be a part of. And so Ruthie, I don't know if you wanted to jump in, but I, I, I wanted to ask the thing I thought about was, you know, what you've obviously had a lot of experiences that you've drawn from, but what, what did you learn from Billie Jean King when you were doing your internship there that, that helped you on your next step at Nike? You know what? I worked, um, Billie Jean King started the Women's Sports Foundation. I actually right. worked on Lopiano and right. Marge Snyder. Yeah. Um, our interaction with Billie Jean King was about once a year during the uh, Women's uh, Sports Foundation Awards. But Donna taught me, uh, Lopiano, she taught me about being organized, uh, how to connect. Um, as an intern, uh, I just absorbed everything she had to say, and then I was hired full time. And the Community Awards and Grants Program became my my project and uh, Donna created this pamphlet to tell you how to connect people to, to other people and how that works. And then how you can form a committee and make a change. And um, this, the community awards and grants program became my, my project. And uh, Donna 
created this pamphlet to tell you how to connect people to, to other people and how that works. And then how you can form a committee and make a change in um, a city like Kansas City has uh, the Women's Intersport Network. And uh, some of these ladies came because they honored me in February, but it was connecting people and strong women that could, when they get together, they can create amazing things and amazing events and recognize other women. How do we fix this? And how do we do this? And like at Camp Win here in Kansas City, how do we get girls more involved in sports? And so then all of a sudden we have women working together and we, we're creating something that's bigger than us. And I think through that, that allowed me when I, when I got to Nike is to identify those people that I had worked at before. Like for instance, let's just use um, Auburn. When the national team went there, we knew that we wanted to have a crowd there. We knew we wanted to have family there. We knew we wanted to do grassroots efforts. Because of contacts I had before, I could reach out to those people and say, hey, we wanna do this, we wanna do that. I think with Mighty Ruthie, we had four busloads of people that came from Mississippi, McLean, Mississippi, 154 people came. So what do you do with 154 people? Well, you, you connect with the church and you connect with the church and then they're, they're the ones that are gonna feed these 154 people. And then you say, you know what? They can all sing. So let's have them sing at halftime. Unbelievable. Yeah, and so it was an amazing right. event. And, and it was great to have all the friends and family of Ruthie there at the game. And because they were all coming, then you get the community gets behind it. And next thing you, you have is something magical and it's all, it's bigger than the game itself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Right. Right. You know what the shirts y'all gave us, mm -hmm. some of the, my family still wear those shirts. Some of the people, <laughs> they still have that shirt. And, uh, and so anyway, it's, it's just to me, words is, it's, to even articulate how much Ray has meant to not just the women of basketball, but also our family. You know, my family consider her like a uh, like a sister, and they always refer to her the Nike lady. The Nike lady, she's so nice. Like if they, she was so touchable. It's like she was big. It's like she does so many things magical. They're expecting you to be like six feet ten, and like you know, <laughs> you were, and with long with arms like a mile long, but you did so much, and to see her. But my dad got a chance to just, you know, which is so precious. But my dad, who's passed on, got a chance to see the magic and got a chance to see how awesome, how amazing Nike was to our family. And also, so it's, it's just been great. And Ray, one word, if I had to describe a word where Ray has been, I would say consistent. You know, I, I can only imagine what you've had to go through, especially dealing with, dealing with me, dealing with so, managing so many people and you was able to consistently be you, consistently be a person that will easily connect with, you know, you did your business, you did what you had to do, but just your, the pedigree of, of, of leadership and, and community and just a person that would just, also you got a chance, we got a chance to see that soft side, that genuine side, because uh, sometimes you're doing business and you manage people, you gotta be like a bulldog barking all the time. And you gotta be like, you know, you come off abrasive, but you, did what you had to do without being abrasive, without being negative, without, right. 
and so then which is which is beautiful it's a it's a it's a sweet spot of our relationship so i thank you you know beyond words and and i know if my dad was you know if, on behalf of my family we say thank you and, and you definitely deserve to be a hall of famer like two times you know and just thank you so much, Ray. And just uh, it was so good to you know, I saw you back in February, all the memories. But yeah, we just just appreciate you, you know. And and like I said, my shirt says "Bold." Be that bold looks good on me, and our uh, bold looks good on you, and uh, and just uh, Ray looks good on you. You know, just who you are, what you stand for, and just meant, meant a lot. So uh, it's an easy conversation to me to talk about go you being a Hall of Famer because. You are. Uh, you deserve it beyond beyond words. So thank you. Love you. Oh. I had to flex. I had to give you a flex, Ray. Sorry. She showed her bicep. And That's Ray, what I'm talking about. I don't let. I don't let. Many, listen. I don't let many people interrupt my office. I'm at the gym. I don't let many people interrupt my gym time. But I'll do it for you. And I'll have to give you two of them. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. So, All right. Yeah, thank so. you, Ruthie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Michael, before, before Ruthie leaves, Michael, I just want to talk, and we talked to Ruthie about it. Everywhere we go when we're around the players, uh, and that 1996 documentary, of course, gave us a lot of insight into all that went on. What was missing and is where was Ray? Because everything they talked about yes. was if not for Ray. Everywhere we go and they're in attendance, they interrupt, they get off script. Sue Bird got off script at the Kate Win for KC, and they go, if not for Ray. So I think um, the biggest testament to what she did to get all this started is as Ruthie just alluded to, and all the women on that 96 team, all the collegians that followed, Tarasi, we talked to her at the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. She was like, what do I need to do, you know, to get Ray into the Hall of Fame? So uh, the, don't listen to us. You don't have to listen to me. You know, we nominated Ray for the Basketball Hall of Fame. Listen to the women, Ruthie, and all the women whose lives she impacted on and all up to this day, you know, your premier players today are still saying, if not for Ray. So I just appreciate mm -hmm. what Ruthie said. And I, I know the story. I know the backdrop. I know the story. And it uh, seems like uh, others need to know it. Yeah. Thanks, Elizabeth. Uh, Elizabeth Galloway McQuitter, president of the Legends of the Ball, whose knowledge about this and professional women's basketball is unparalleled. Go ahead, Ruthie. And you know what? And Ray Room got proof. How how many people got a room like Ray Room? A uh, history. So the evidence, <laughs> the evidence, hey, the evidence is right there. I saw some things. I was like, man, how you get that? Where this come from? But I, but of course, I'm like, it it was a reminder uh, uh, of the the history and where all of the places you've touched and the people you've touched and how you changed. You know, you really you stood in the gap for us back in the, back in the day. Really, there are a lot of things we asked. And we're asked, and Ray said, okay, let me see if I can do it. You always try to push the envelope for us, and you did it. And, and if without you, it, it would that experience of what we did in 96, we would not have been able to do that without the support, without like we you carried us on your shoulders in some aspect. You carried us. And so, and like I said, the evidence is in that room and all the things you got in there. So, so uh, so yeah, once again, thank you. Ruthie, can I ask you a question? Yes. I uh, appreciate you being here so much. Uh, Two-time Olympian and retired WNBA star, motivational speaker, podcast host. Um, <clears throat> when Doug Williams came on the show, he said, when there's a white ally, 
he doesn't care about anything else. There's just something about a white ally that changes things when it comes to people of color, seeing mm -hmm. them, especially today. And I, I wanted to ask you about that. You sort of just spoke about it, but I, did, did you recognize that back then that, because it was a lot harder to navigate the spaces that, you know, you were navigating back then with misogyny and the double standard and, you know, and she, she didn't care about any of those things. She was just going to do the right thing. And, but did you see her differently because she was a white ally? I feel like I actually sometimes think about it, I forgot Ray was white at times. I'm like, what, 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 <laughs> I was like, oh, she's a white lady. Oh, okay. You know, the way we talk about you, if we didn't tell about your color, they thought you was, well, I, you know, because you stood in the gap for us all. Like, seriously, right. at the time, I was still young. And mm -hmm. but as I got older, I look back and I'm like, wow. Like, even, like, to me, it's even more like uh, amazing now to know what you did and how you did it. You you could see things that we couldn't see. I was still green with a badge, cherry curl, and and you know back then. But you but you saw things that we couldn't see. But I appreciate you you standing the gap that you did you didn't see color that you just like I want to I want to really elevate these women. These you know, and to me that's a beautiful thing. So no, nah, it to me it just. It's, it's so impactful and I'm so thankful even more today because I'm wiser and now I see really like wow what you did just I say wow like thank you so very much and just just that aspect alone should be enough you know how you try to advocate for somebody you try to make something it's like it, it's not even a hard it's not trying to like trying to put a triangle in a square what you did is so obvious I'm like it even even a blind man can see it or say but uh but no it to me what you did was just phenomenal and I uh, appreciate you uh, tremendously. And just, uh, I was the last player uh, to be added to the Nike group uh, when I was, uh, I think I remember Tara talking about, uh, you know, they had one more spot and I think Tara advocated for it too. But, but anyway, but Ray, how you embraced my family. I know you went, I know you went outside the line with my family because we were always wanting something. We was always wanting, pushing the envelope. But, uh, but, nah, but thank you so much for always, you know, loving on us and really just the whole women and even now you got the younger generation 25 years later Tarasi and Bird all these players so tell me what else is there to say like like what you know do we need to put billboards up like what else is there when you got the former players and the new generation of players saying hey Ray 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 we couldn't have done couldn't have done this without Ray so to me uh, no, I, I appreciate thank you so much and like you know, after the documentary, Tarasi texted me and said, "Thank you for carrying us on, the, on your on our on your shoulders." And 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 so, and I, I said, "No, thank you. We passed the torch on to some amazing women." So, Ray, I say thank you for carrying us. Even though you didn't make one basket, you won a lot of games for us. Thank you. Wow. Thank Mike, you, Mike. <laughs> I'd like to just take a moment and ask Ruthie if Ruthie, if you could just share just a small part of the tune of your voice <laughs> that resonates so much power in the love that Ray Pond has in her heart. Could you just share that tune? You are so wonderful, or you are. Can you Oh, you know what? And speaking of tune too, Ray the one was spirit with behind the documentary, comes to the side of the documentary, but the, the, the commercial, mm -hmm. uh, Mighty Ruthie mm -hmm. and with, with my family, y'all flew well, y'all couldn't fly everybody down, but y'all flew a great number of, play, uh, of my family to LA to do the Nike commercial. And uh, that would just, my family still talk about it to the day, like there's just like, 
it was just such a beautiful experience. And um, and yeah, before uh, before my phone clock out, I, I it's you know I, I I to me it's an honor to be able to say, and to be able to like I said, it was hard for me to articulate to be able to say, Ray, for all the years and for all the things you've done and all the the the, the barriers you broke through for us, I w I just want to say. You are so wonderful to me. You are so wonderful to me. You're everything that I hope for. You're everything that I need. Ray, you are, you are so wonderful to me. Thank you, Ruthie. Thank you, Ruthie. Thank you, Ruthie. We'll go work on those guns. That's amazing. That was awesome. Ray, you and I, we had an opportunity to connect at the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame in 2018, but our our path and our bridge and our journey crossed long before that with Nike, Sue Levin, the global marketing manager the global marketing mogul. It's an honor to be able to be on this podcast show with Mike, all of these in powerful women, legends, history makers and shakers, mm. policy makers and doubters, but to be a part in this moment in time on your journey, because you've always been a woman that has speaked up for what's fair, speaked up for what's right, and speak up to be heard for all women in women's sports and women's basketball and women's professional basketball. And many years ago, I used to write a letter repeatedly to you and Sue Levin at Global National Nike as the marketing managers. And I was running this huge popular league in South Florida, 26 high school girls teams, one of the largest in South Florida when I moved here from the Boston and New York area, they didn't have any girls programs. And I said, look, I need some help. I got a girls program here, a community here. We're gonna get it going. We're gonna grow this community. We're gonna grow these programs. We're gonna increase the talent. And I started writing letters to you and Sue Levin at Nike about the program. And you and I connected at the Hall of Fame. We reconnected because people come in and out of your lives in seasons. Mm -hmm. when it's time and we chatted and we just it was like an empowering session and you said you know I was cleaning up my box and I came across this letter and it was a letter from you Susan and I had kept that letter all these years and when I was invited by Richard Lapchick my good friend to be the chair of one of the sports women panels at the NCAA Women's National Convention that is when Sue Levin and you were there. I didn't know you were there. You were in the backdrop, mm. watching me chair. On the panel was Nancy Lieberman. It was a great legendary stellar cast. And I was a national chair. And they said, we need you to do this for the Center of Sports and Society. I said, absolutely. And after that event, I got a call from Sue Levin and yourself. And Nike signed me to my first six-year contract as a coach in the first ever national junior college, community college coach in the country to have a contract with Nike. 
and the rest is history. And you have always, across the gamut of women's sports, women's marketing, women's media, women's professional basketball, the WBL, I take you wherever I go when I'm speaking on the road with SusanSummonSpeaks.com. I'm on a tour right now for Rise in Gratitude. We're touring six cities to combat human and sex trafficking. But sports has always been that platform and the bridge to address issues of racism. And I've always looked at you as Ray Pond. I never saw your color. I looked at you first as the woman you are and the heart that you have because love is kind. Love doesn't hate. This is Corinthians. All love right. is not blind. And love does not discriminate. Love just loves and sees who you are and helps you. And you have always have reached back to pull someone through. Someone would say, well, when you take the elevator up, don't forget to send the elevator back down so <laughs> someone else can take the elevator back to the top. <laughs> I love it. And I don't think we do that enough Amen. in women. I don't think women do this enough is empowering each other. It doesn't matter who they are, where they are, whether they're a CEO or diversity inclusion or women's sports media or marketing. The concept is men do this all the time. Women need to do more of it. They need not worry about the competition, but yet get into the competition and all enjoy right. it and make everybody better. So I am honored and I'm humbled to take a moment to be on this podcast show with you and all of these amazing people and women who are leaders to honor you and tell you thank you. You are a hall of famer. So I've always looked to you as a, a woman of love. I've never seen you as first a white woman. I've seen you as a woman. Amen. And I just amazing. wanted to say thank you I am honored. I applaud you. I bless you. And I continue to send many blessings your way. When the prayers go up, nothing but blessings rain down on you. And that is what's raining down on you, even as we talk on this podcast show. So I thank you. And I'm honored to be on this platform with everyone that's honoring you. And I want to give a special shout out and thank you to my friend, Mike Huda Productions, and my dear friend, Ruthie, we're always communicating, and uh, Liz, Retha, everyone that's on, Tiffany, you know, just keep rising like the sun that shines on you. You know, uh, that was amazing. Elizabeth, you talk about this a lot, about how we know the history of the men's game, but we don't, we don't know the history of the women's game the same way. And so, you know, maybe you can speak on that in a minute, but I wanted to ask you before Ruthie left, if she doesn't have to go yet, you know, and Susan mentioned Dr. Labchick, who we've had on this show also. We've mm -hmm. also had Judy Sweet, uh, who was invited today, but she had a prior commitment. You know, when I think of the three of you um, allies, you know, Judy talked about this a lot about how as the athletic director at UCSD, uh, there was a lot of pushback to say the least. And so can you, can you give everyone an idea of what that pushback was like? I mean, she got pushback at UCSD and I can't really imagine what the pushback was like at Nike as a white woman. Um, so give everyone an idea of what that was like and how you stood your ground uh, because Ruthie and Susan sort of touched on it and, and how you navigated that space, you know, carefully, but assertively. Well, first of all, thank you, Susan. I appreciate 
those words. And that was really touching. Um, I think Sue Levin was my boss at Nike and she was a bulldog. And uh, I don't know if this gets back to Nike, <laughs> but she would, you know, she tells me she doesn't remember half this stuff, but she would tell me to go over there on the men's side. Well, first of all, Liz Dolan said, how come we don't have a women's shoe? How come Cheryl Swoops doesn't have a shoe? She just scored all these points, won the national championship, air swoops, it all just fits. So she literally pulled out women's for men's. So we had our own budget. We were able to do our own things. And Sue would tell me, go over there and find out how much we pay so-and-so. And then we're going to compare that to what we pay our coaches, like Tara Vandeveer, Marion Washington, Vivian Stringer. Uh, you know, I can go on, the list can go on and on. And then we realized that the women weren't getting paid that much. So we were able to adjust numbers because we had our own budget. Now, had they been back in that category, that wouldn't have happened. And I think for us, there was a push and um, we had a corporate push for 96 to make that the game about women. And it wasn't just the women's basketball team. It was the soccer team. It was the softball team. It was the volleyball team. And we put all our might marketing through advertising, um, you know, community events, um, ads, print ads, uh, footwear, apparel. And we were fortunate. Then what happened was, you know, you're always fighting for the dollar. So when we went back into the category, I remember not even being able to get autograph cards and I'd be in a meeting and I'll be like, you can't even give me money for autograph cards. What the, what the heck? So what are you doing? And, and, or oh, we couldn't uh, do something for Cheryl swoops after she retired. Oh, well, what do we do for Charles Barkley? You know, he had a big old deal and it was just a continual fight. And I would, I would just say, well, okay, well, how come you're doing that over here? And I can't do this over here, you know? And it became a challenge. It really did. And um, I don't know if Eileen's still with us, but uh, I'm sure she had some struggles after I left, but you'll have to say whatever you can say. <laughs> I, I'm a little sensitive because I had some men that were really advocates for women, but in a meeting I had, they said to me, I, had, I was ganged up on, that I had to need to pull back a little bit. And so they told me the priorities. Number one was LeBron. Number two was Kobe. Uh, number three was like Duke men's basketball. I said, just stop. Well, I, am I even on the top 10 list? And our women were not. And then that's when I call out the rallying cry and I start talking to different women. You know, this ain't right. And then, you know, you start getting all the, all that happening. But, um, and then, you know, at some point, you know, my parents got sick, so I left. So I wasn't, you know, I couldn't take up that fight. That's where Eileen took up the fight for me. Um, because, you know, when you have deaf parents and your dad has cancer and your mom can't walk, she got all those issues. I finally had to just say, I got to leave. But I did have a struggle the last couple of years of being at Nike. And that's because we are, our budgets were put back together. When they were separate, you don't answer to that other side, Eileen. <laughs> I just have one story. I just have one story to add, Ray. Um, and I and I'm not going to get in dig, yeah, dig into all of it. But 
there was one there was it was get, it was before the 2008 olympics and nike was paying for a slam magazine cover and on that cover they were planning to have um i think it was kobe as carmelo and i can't remember whether it was lebron or it was it was another guy and there was three guys and i was saying why can't we put diana on that cover you can't tell me that by putting Diana Trossi on that cover in 2008, you are going to sell less, right. less magazines because she's on the cover, right? Like, and it doesn't cost anymore. These are already created photos. They were just putting it all together. It's not going to cost Nike any more money to put Diana on the cover of that slam magazine before the 2008 Olympics. And I think that was that was probably the one that just took me that that I got frustrated about, you know. And I will say, as time has went on, things are changing there now. Um, and you know, it's it's been kind of a bummer not to be a part of that change. But I know to Ray's point, we fought for that change for 25, 26 years, and now it's finally starting to happen, and it's great to see. But that slam magazine thing, like. I was so frustrated and disheartened and mm. I just couldn't understand. It's not costing any more money because that to raise mm. point, like money wasn't really an object and they're not going to sell less magazines with Diana. If you're going to, if anything, you're going to sell more magazines because now you have a woman on there right. and you have girls that are going to be interested in this magazine as well. I just couldn't understand the reasoning behind that. So that was my oh. one story I will share. Yeah. No, and I, I will tell you this. We had a meeting, and this is before Eileen, and uh, we had a meeting with the president, Tom Clark, and he wanted to talk with the women. And so we go in this meeting, and, and there are my coworkers in sports marketing, and um, he started talking about what they were doing for women. And so I just, I don't know why I did this, but you know, I think at some point you just kind of like, okay, so I raised my hand and I said, can you tell me why men get paid more than the women when they do the same job? And he was like, what? I said, I just need for you to go look at the spreadsheet and see that the women that are even in football and, and baseball, whatever category they're in, their male counterparts, I bet you are making more money than we were. And at that time, I knew somebody that came in our department that was quite a bit younger than me, didn't have the qualifications and is probably making three times as much as I was. So I really struggled with that side of it. And uh, you know what? I'll give Tom Clark a lot of credit. He said, you know what? We're going to stop this meeting right now because I need to go find out what's going on. And he called me in his office and um, he said, you know, tell me how you, you know, just tell me what you think. And so I just, I broke it down for him, how all the women felt when you get, bring somebody in new and they may have a name or they might be connected to a celebrity or, or one of the athletes. And because they're connected, they're getting paid more, which I couldn't understand. So that was one other whole aspect of that. And I do believe that there are women there that were in that meeting that have elevated up the corporate ladder and are still there. And I had one reach out to me not long ago and tell me, hey, if you hadn't said that that day, I don't think I'd be where I'm at. And so, um, you know, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like you have to say something. 
you just have to. And it doesn't matter to me. It didn't matter if I got fired. I had to say something. And so I did. Well, Ray, I mean, because of people like you, Dr. Lapchik, uh, um, Judy Sweet, and many, many others, people of color and white allies, that's why it's easier to speak out now. It's way easier. And if anything, if you don't speak out now, because of people like you who took that chance, then you're looked at as an outcast for not speaking out now. And now you have example after example, whether it's the 2020 election with the W, you know, mm-hmm. protesting, all of what you all did is why speaking out now is so much easier. And, um, you know, Kim Hampton is there now, you know, Auntie Chantel is there now. You know, there's other people at Nike now because of you and there's others, you know, from the W representing. And if, again, if it wasn't for you two in particular, you know, they wouldn't be where they are and, and many others as well. So don't think it hasn't gone unnoticed. Well, thank you. And I will tell you, I think Sonia Henning's been a big, big part of that, bringing in the WNBA athletes and, mm-hmm. and you know, they do what they're supposed they, if they work and show their talent and they do, they'll be hired on permanently. Mm-hmm. And I think what they're doing now with the athletes, the women is amazing, you know, especially, you know, I love those, those chicks like Kim Hampton, Cheryl <laughs> Swoops is there too. Yeah, you know? Cheryl. So yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, I think it's a great program that they have going on right now. Can you talk about Dawn and Becky and their impact just in women's sports, basketball, and just as women? Yeah, I would tell you, this is, you know, when I look at these WBL athletes, I see their impact and what they did, you know, playing. And there were there were athletes before them that, were on AAU teams and uh, weren't able to play because they were black, you know? So I, I see that. My thing with, you know, getting back to Dawn, I guess, let me get back to your question. I'm kind of going off center. You can, you can go in another direction first. Uh, yeah. No, I see that. I see their impact, you know, because they all became coaches. They all uh, were involved in sports like Susan and Liz. I can go on and on. I see... I think Peggy is on here, Aretha, you know, they all, Molly, they continued to uh, pass the game on to young people, you know, and so it started way before me. Right. And um, it, it's amazing. Uh, their legacy lives on through athletes like Don Staley, um, Becky Hammond. Uh, for me, Don was the first athlete I signed at Nike to see her, coaching at the level she's coaching now back when I was at Nike we all called her coach we had (laughs) banners that said call her coach because we knew that she'd go into coaching um and so I kind of feel like um you know the program we had just came to uh just came to where it was supposed to be with her and she just continues on and um it's amazing and I think her advocacy work is incredible. Um, what she's done for the Black Lives Matter movement and what she's doing right now for Brittany Griner. I know what Brittany Griner did today, what she said she was guilty. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know what's behind the scenes. And I think we'll find out more later on, but I'm glad there's movement on that. And I feel like with Dawn, she didn't care what anybody else said. She continued to fight for Brittany Griner and 
keep reminding us that she is still there. And I can't even tell you what Brittany Griner has done for my own nieces. And I think I'll post something on Facebook. But when my nieces were into basketball and they're like in seventh and eighth grade, they thought Brittany Griner hung the moon. So I would take them to the Big 12 tournament. And her influence on them, and then one of them is Sydney Kemp, she now plays at Sam Houston State. So you just, you can see how it just, everybody affects everybody somewhere down the line. And it is an amazing thing. I'm, I'm, I feel like with Dawn, even when I worked at Nike, um, they would be in China playing and playing the Brazil team or playing, especially the Cuban team. And she would call me and say, you're going to be really upset with me. And I'm like, why? What did you do? So, you know, all that specialized gear, we gave them the shoes and the product and all that. She would give it to the Cuban team. And you know why? Because they didn't have anything. They didn't have the shoes. They didn't have the warm-up gear. So she would get all her teammates together and donate everything they had, which meant I had to replace it all. And I did. But when she, when she puts it in that perspective, that we are so blessed that we need to help them, that's what happened, you know? And, um, uh, you know, she's, she's just a giver. I mean, she's got a great heart. And um, anyway, I can't even tell you how many times I replaced gear because of the Cuban national team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what the story that we saw, you know, that how she gave a part of the net to all the amazing coaches around the country and trying to inspire them to keep going, you know, no matter what, I mean, uh, yeah, humble beginnings for her too. I mean, oh, just, yeah. just amazing. We, uh, I was just talking to somebody today about her mother and mm. um, she was the strength of her family and, um, and what she has done with the net thing is amazing. I will tell you when my dad um, was sick, with cancer. The first person that flew on a plane got out there was Dawn Staley. She was in the waiting room and um, playing with my little niece and nephew. And my nephew now is a Marine. He's in Okinawa. And when Dawn won that championship, um, I sent that little picture of them on the floor with Dawn playing. He was like, oh my God, wow. You know, you know, it was just like, he was so happy for her. But you know what she also did? She came back and she spoke at my father's funeral. And uh, it was just amazing because not only she came back for my father's funeral, but Madeline Manning Mims did. And both of them said, we wanna do this, you know? And um, Dawn always had a rubber band. Um, and you guys are gonna have to, is it Maurice Cheeks that did that? The, the band? I think it was Mo Cheeks, yep. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she, uh, you know, when we did the mural, there wasn't a, a band. I had to get these guys to go paint a band on that big mural we did in Philadelphia. Mm. I bring that up because when she spoke at my dad's funeral, she said, um, you know, Maurice Cheeks is my, um, my hero on the basketball court, but in life, it's your dad. Mm. Your father is like another father to me, and he is my inspiration in life. And so I realized then um, that my parents had an impact on them. Uh, and, and I will tell you, even before that, she said, I got to meet your parents. And uh, we went with Linda Hargrove. You know, she was the coach at Wichita State at the time. 
and a really good friend of mine had a golf club membership. So we decided to get my parents together, get them on a golf cart. My mom couldn't walk, so we strapped her in. Don and I strapped her in, just thought it'd be great. You know, we're going to go play golf with my dad. So he gets up and he goes and he's acting like he's Tiger Woods. And um, he totally woofed the ball, totally missed it. So my mom is hackling so loud. And if you heard a deaf person hackle, you know, when they're laughing, they are so loud because they don't hear themselves. I think the whole city of Wichita could hear them. Dawn, being who she is, not trying to make him feel bad. She gets up there and does the same thing, acting like Tiger Woods, you know, spotting the ball and looking behind the ball, testing the wind and all that. Oh my and then she woofs it on purpose. <laughs> she oh. totally woofs it on purpose. And then you think my mom started cacking. I thought she was going to turn the golf <laughs> cart over. She laughing so hard. And we had her strapped in there pretty good. But that's the type of person she is. You wow. know, uh, she wasn't going to make him feel bad. And it wasn't that important. It was just whiffing at a golf ball. Mm. So I've had her um, mm. just, you know, she, she's st going to always stand up for what's right. And, mm. um, you know, I, I've seen it personally. For Becky Hammond, I think it's amazing. You know, um, you know, I'll be honest, like a lot of people, I was kind of hoping she'd be the first NBA coach. Um, um, but I think she's going to do great things. I think she uh, remains calm, cool, collected. She knows the game inside and out. I mean, I think what she, she do, is giving and delivering to the Las Vegas Aces is going to be amazing. I think it's going to be a great ride. And I look forward to seeing them win a championship. I really do. And I believe it's going to happen. Absolutely. Elizabeth, do you have anything that you want to uh, talk about, whether it's uh, mental health or the documentary and uh, how instrumental you've been in making that happen and making sure that, uh, you know, we don't forget, you know, the people that came before everybody, especially the legends that are on uh, the oh. podcast today. Well, for all of us who played in the WBL, who are um, basically after the 2018 induction, we realized that our history wasn't fully known, if, if at all. So that's when Legends of the Ball was formed. And it's been a, a, a labor of love, sometimes frustration, but mostly just love and determination. And things are happening. We're getting exposure. We're we're we were in 37 words. We even mm -hmm. Molly, you know, there was a clip of some games in the the 1996 documentary. We have mm -hmm. people talking about it. We're knocking on the door with the WNBA and others trying to just, just basically connect the dots, fill in the gaps and do, tell the history correctly. It's omissive, it's inaccurate. And it's, it's not fair to us or any generation who contributed to this sport or anything. And as African-Americans, we've been left out and we know what that feels like. And to find out that history, we feel if people really knew this history, they would be inspired. And I want to say this, I keep saying this because the men know who they're, they're 75 years celebrating 75 years. They go back and honor Bill Russell, all those who are still alive and those who passed on. They cement them on this timeline and they bring them forward with them. They bring them along. And that's why their history is known. The women don't do that. Part of it is they don't know it. So we're, so a big part of what we're trying to do is just educate people. But the other part is once you do know it, and we've I've talked to Ruthie, I don't know if Ruthie's still on, and Rusha, and we said, you guys have to help tell our story because you are going to become, you already have become the new forgotten. 
And I know one thing Rusha Brown is at the Retirement Association is they don't recall those women who started the WNBA 26 years ago. We've had a, a program with Cheryl Swoops. People, my kids didn't know who she was or, or Cynthia Cooper or Jennifer Gillum. So until we fix it, it's just gonna be generation after generation who's forgotten and not included. Every era has contributed something. And that's all we're saying. We are Title IX. We are the Title IX era and the AIAW era and the WBL era and the first women's Olympic team era and the first weight trophy winner and the first to receive scholarships and the first African-Americans on their teams. You got Retha and Janie on here. And Susan, I don't know if you were the first, but uh, mostly almost everybody in our era were the first African-American. Retha was just celebrating a Title IX event. Adrian's still second all-time leading scoring rebounder at Kansas. Molly, mm -hmm. all the records that she holds, um, Susan, and we, we um, included Susan on this week because of her coaching, 35 mm -hmm. years of coaching, all of us over a thousand years of coaching, contributing to the game. So it's such a rich history, such so many layers that have yet to be peeled back. And it's worth a documentary of its own. It's worth being included in these documentaries that talk about women's history. Ray, we connect with Ray because of the agony that's in our hearts of not of our contributions not being acknowledged. We feel that agony for Ray in all the contributions she's made and it's not acknowledged. So when we nominated her for the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame and we did our homework and we tried to, why isn't Ray Pond in the Hall of Fame or why hasn't? And a lot of people just don't know. So we hope this podcast and other things that we do will serve as uh, a testament to what she's done and validate her nomination and why she, we feel that she should be in the Hall of Fame. And I said, again, don't take our word for it. Ask the players, ask those women, mm. they, you know, ask them what, what she did to move the game forward. And my counterparts are on here, Molly, uh, uh, Adrian, Retha, Susan, Peggy Gillum, anybody want to chime into that, but it's the WBL was the viable league. And I listened to Val Ackerman in the 37 Words documentary. She said one thing that separated us as a league was the group of women, influential women that we produced. Yeah. So, and, and, and we weren't the only league. We also like to acknowledge those who came after us, who kept chipping away and trying to start this league until we finally got the ABL and mm -hmm. then the WNBA. So there were other leagues that came after us that I'm sure they have the same pain in their heart of not being recognized for attempting because ev with every attempt, it made the climb a little easier for the WNBA. Absolutely. And I, and I invited Val. I invited Pokey. I invited coach Wade. I, there's a lot of people I invited today, Ray, just so you know, they have games or shoot arounds or, you know, they're in, they're in conversations right now, but just know they, they all send their love, especially Val. Thank you. I uh, will tell you one thing that I admire about the major league baseball is they took the Negro leagues their players and, and use those st statistics. Yep. Um, I struggle lately when I hear this athlete did this, this, and that, right? And we forget about the Cheryl Millers. And, and when you talk about the athletes that played overseas and were MVP in the Italy League and whatever, and you do the breadth of their career, you know, and their statistics. Some of these current st statistics don't even compare to what they did overseas. Right. And sometimes I think we forget that, you know, 
they shot a lot of basketballs and went in, you know, and I think about that all the time, especially with Major League Baseball, because I think it's incredible what they did. I think it's great. Well, then there's room for inclusion and it, it makes the history richer. It makes the history more um, broader, uh, you know, a lot more depth to it. And it's factual and it's accurate. Right. You know, history, history is history and you can't you can't omit people who played a part in it. I got to ask you some about some of the memorabilia. So share with everybody what's over your right and left shoulders back there and maybe some of the most memorable things back there historically. Well, um, to my right, the first panel, you know, when I won the, the smaller panels, the, the uh, columns mm-hmm. are the 1996 Olympic team, the 2000 Olympic team, and uh, the 2004 you know, they inspired me. Uh, one of them is George Raveling. On this side are the, I have the people at Nike that I admired, Howard White. Those two men mentored me and it was incredible. Ralph Green mentored to me too. Um, you know, I, I put them right up there with Sue Levin and uh, Liz Dolan and uh, Marnie Gerber was uh, the first person. She, she did Cheryl Swoops' shoot. So I have them over there. Um, the women's group was amazing. Cindy Fontenot, um, Dana Harrington, Michelle Burnett, um, all the work that they did. Uh, Nancy Montserrat over advertising. I could go on and on and on about that women's group. They were powerful, powerful women. I also have women that inspired me. One of them, I just had Adrian sign my Kansas ball. But <laughs> yes. as a manager at Oklahoma, Marion Washington saw something in me and had me come work the KU women's basketball camps during the summer. Mm-hmm. And that's where I met Lynette and Jackie Martin. And then, you know, when Lynette went on to be one of the first, the first har- female Harlem Globetrotter, you know, I have her ball. Um, I don't know if you guys can see all that, but I have, um, I have the WBL athletes on top because I just love them. They're dear to my heart. And um, yeah, so I have Pat Head Summit stuff wow. that she gave me. Um, Shamiqua and I, I, I feel like I'm close to Shamiqua. And, um, you know, she just went into the Washington, Washington Mystics Hall of Fame. And I think through her, you know, Pat and I developed a, a great relationship. And in between, you know, I have Ruthie up here. I have her <laughs> basketball. I have... Uh, you know, Cynthia Cooper, Tina Thompson, Cheryl Swoops, mm-hmm. Michelle Timms, Jennifer Gillum, and Peggy Gillum, uh, Lisa Leslie. I have almost all Lisa's shoes. I have uh, Shamika Holesclaw, Tamika Catchings, Becky Hammond, um, all the LA Sparks players, Jackie Styles. Betty Lennox always gets forgotten because, and she was great. Yes, she was. Uh, she was great. Lennox player. Warren Jackson. Uh, Sue Bird, Diana Trossi. Uh, I have a, I have quite a few. I'm sure I'm missing. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> that is a but, women's you know, that, hall of fame. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the 10th anniversary team, Katie Smith. Um, the first, uh, the 10-year anniversary team was, I got, uh, I have that right there. I don't know if you guys can, let me see if I can get this turned around. But I have all these prints too. Like Shamika's wow. wall. Can you see all that? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Don Staley, uh, Cheryl Swoops, Jolanda Griffith, um, 
Lauren Jackson, Lisa Leslie, Tina Thompson, Tamika Catching, Sue Bird, Cynthia Cooper, and Katie Smith. They were all Nike athletes. And, I mean, uh, it looks like you've got the best Hall of Fame venue. Right <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> you could host some tours there. Oh, yes. and, uh, and, uh, so they were the, the 10th anniversary team. And, uh, wow. and then I have a, you know, I have quite a bit on Ruthie. And, uh, you know, Ruthie, you know, I was at her father's funeral, you know, and um, we wanted to help out in some way. So we, we kind of helped with funeral cars. But then I realized I, there's not enough cars. <laughs> there were 85 <laughs> grandchildren and it didn't even include the great grandchildren the great great grandchildren but there were sure were a lot of people there and when you have 19 brothers and sisters 20 of them it is an amazing deal it wow. really is so wow oh my goodness yeah, I forgot you had done that, Ray. Yeah, see, it just keep on growing and growing. You just, <laughs> yeah, really, I forgot yeah, that. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I wish I had this uh, <clears throat> commercial keyed up. I know uh, Ruthie has it. You know, we went the whole day shooting some stuff, and then I tell the, the guy, I said, you know, they can sing. And so they just said, yeah, let's sing Mighty Ruthie. And so the next thing I know, we totally went off script and did a commercial just on Ruthie singing Mighty Ruthie and yeah. Uh, yeah yeah what happened to all the other stuff right all the stuff that all the other stuff y'all shot for two and a half days two and a half days <laughs> oh my unbelievable. god and then we took the very thing at the end where she was singing and it was just magical it was, it was great even the phoenix mercury used it when yeah, jennifer was yelling, my Henny mercury and i'm like they just stole that from ruthie but um yeah it was great and that was a really really great ride and I would tell you, like with Dawn Staley, you know, I when she carried the flag in uh, 2004, I was scared for her. You know, uh, the, the terrorist. I, you know, we had uh, Secret Service with us, and they they grabbed me and Lisa Leslie's mother and had us look at pictures. And I didn't recognize anybody, but then you realize the the you know we are might be somewhere where somebody might try to hurt an American. Um, you know, we were in China and we had to have our bus sweeped underneath with cameras, make sure there wasn't anything underneath the, um, the buses. But, you know, when you go to Atlanta and I felt like I, I thought Chris Leslie was out where the bomb went off and it was just a scary, some scary moments um, through the years. But if you think about the athletes, two of the athletes that signed with Nike and that I worked with carried the U.S. flag. And uh, that's an amazing Don Staley and Sue Bird. Um, just a great ride. That was just, you know, when you when you see them carrying that flag, there's nothing, nothing. I don't think that's probably one of the best moments ever is to watch them. Uh, and uh, anyway, I got to tell you, I love the moms, too. The moms are great. <laughs> they probably are my favorite out of everybody and the dads. So go Ray, ahead, Susan. Ray, I'd like to ask you, I've had the honor and pleasure over the years of serving as an assistant coach with USA Basketball when Lynn Berry uh, and Rick Berry family. Um, and I was an assistant with the World Championship Trials, the USA European Tour when we toured Tel Aviv, Israel and Strasbourg and Malouz, France. We had Tina Thompson, Charlotte Smith and Sylvia Crowley. They were Nike team. athletes too, yeah. Yeah, Nike athletes. And, uh, and then uh, we did another tour when we worked with USA Olympic Sports Festival 
and I was working with Paul Sandiford, who went into the Hall of Fame this past summer. And, uh, we, you know, we worked alongside of and across side of Gino. And so I wanted to ask you, with Nike and with all of these phenomenal athletes with Nike and USA Basketball, can you speak a little bit to the patriotic feeling of USA Basketball and what that really means to the whole conglomerate? Well, I... You know, it was like we, for me in Atlanta, we were all in this together. It was all about winning that gold medal, especially on in Atlanta. And we wanted every one of our teams to win that gold medal. And for me, probably when that U.S. women's soccer team won, because I took care of Mia Hamm and Sarah Ralph and Anna Tiffany Milbert for a couple of weeks till it was just, okay, I can't do both teams. I got to take care of the basketball team. But um, I don't think there is a better feeling. I mean, it's like my heart exploded. You know, when I saw Lisa Leslie tearing up on that stand, she had that gold medal, especially that team. And I know the soccer team, uh, played uh, a lot together to try to to be ready for Atlanta. What those women went through in that 60-game road trip, that was hard. It was hard. So when you see them playing at the level they were, and look, I will tell you, Sue Levin went to Colorado Springs and those chicks were in a dormitory. <laughs> Sue Levin came back to Nike and said, what are you going to do about this? I said, what do you mean? Well, do you think they would let Michael Jordan stay in the dormitory? I said, uh, no. She goes, so what are you going to do about it? I said, okay, get them a condo. Good answer. What else? Get them a car. They're going to have a washer and dryer. I mean, she kept going, what else are you going to do? What else are you going to do? And I will tell you, Beth Bass is at Converse. She said, oh, man, what are you doing? You know, I don't have the budget for this. Blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, you know what? You and Reebok, they can do whatever. Beth said, no, I want to be on board with you. And so we ended up changing that for the, for the athletes. The whole team got to stay in a condo. They didn't have to stay in the dormitory anymore and share uh, showers and toilets and all that stuff. Wow. So from the beginning of that, we wanted it to be different for them because we knew what they were going to go through for 60, day, uh, 60 games. Uh, they came to... Uh, <laughs> This is another, I have so many moments. I, I probably need to write a book, but they came to Nike and of course they got some guys to play them. And Phil Knight came down and the women beat them by 20 points. I mean, they were, they weren't missing a pass. I mean, they were so fine tuned. Nobody was beating them. And uh, I just remember Lisa getting popped in the, right here and, and then got popped in the mouth. And so she said, hey, I need you to come over here. She got hit in the mouth and she's on the sideline. She said, look at my mouth. Don't let them see you looking. You tell me if my teeth are still there. I looked at her. They're still there. She goes, okay. So she went back in that game and she elbowed that dude. And <laughs> I hope he doesn't watch this either. I didn't say his name, but you know, he was all talk, but he got a whack to him. But when you see them doing that and you see Phil Knight, like, oh my God, they're really good. They're amazing. And so uh, we felt like Russia and Australia were their biggest competitions and uh, uh, competitive teams. And um, it was great. 
And, you know, the downside of, of the Olympics is that you get your product at the very last minute. Dawn Staley's shoes were too short. I think I was crying because we made it through it. And I was at a cobbler every morning and we were stretching the shoe to make it fit for Dawn Staley. And I know she wasn't happy, but I was doing everything in my power to make sure those shoes shoes fit. And when they won, I was like, thank you, Jesus. This is <laughs> I really was. But, you know, I have story after story of, you know, um, I don't know, you know, it's about team. It was everybody was part of that team, you know, everybody, the assistant coaches. I, I, I'll tell you right now, Renee Brown, she kept that together, right, Mighty Ruthie? Oh, yeah. Had, yeah, Renee Brown. If it weren't for Renee Brown, I, I, you know, it would have been hard. You know, you guys saw the, the 30 for 30, how tough it was, how tough it was to play for Tara. But I know Renee, Renee was there to, to be a support to the athletes. And um, oh, yeah, you know, for sure. Yeah, for sure. But hey, Ray, anyway, Ray, I did I you answer your question, Susan? Go ahead. I, I text you that commercial just in case. I just text it to you. Oh yeah, I got it. Don't worry. It'll it'll be on the show. Oh, did I answer your question? Yes, you did a phenomenal job. Just uh, you know, you really elaborated more on just the whole concept of the patriotic feeling, not just as a Nike athlete, but that Nike athlete in that USA uniform and everything that goes along with that in representing the product and representing the marketing, just representing the brand and what all those tremendous athletes went through. I mean. Crystal Robinson, I can, you, you know, Crystal Robinson. Oh, yeah. I yes. mean, I, I, I can remember we were in Tel Aviv, Israel. We had just taken a tour on the streets of Jerusalem and it was Sylvia Crowley, Charlotte Smith, Tina Thompson and Crystal Robinson. Text me. Yeah. And, and, you know, I would say shekels in the bank when we'd be in workouts, shekels in the bank or Laheim in the bank, mm -hmm. meaning you could get shots up. You can knock those shots down. We just leave the village in Jerusalem to get back to the hotel in Jerusalem is bombed. Right, right. Scary moments. Scary moments. And these kids are away from home. They're 18 and 19. They've never traveled abroad. So they're learning and going through that whole process of being away in another world. And right. um, so the teaming and the caring. Yeah, and one other thing I wanna to add to um, the team thing and the caring thing is that these athletes wanted to, to make, I can't say enough about Teresa Edwards and Katrina McClain. We often don't talk about them like we should, but they lost that gold medal uh, four years earlier. And for them to know that they're going to win that for those two. Mm. And I think that is an amazing, yeah, just amazing. But you know what the leaders on that team were Teresa and Katrina. Yes. And Ruthie can tell me otherwise, but I, I feel like they led them, led that team. Oh, right? yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, they were the leaders for sure on that team. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody respected them too, because they've been there, done that. So they we had a lot of love and a lot of respect for them, you know. So yeah, for sure. They were they were definitely the anchor. And you know, Tree, she's very <laughs> she's just you know, she's quiet and um she's quiet and she just get the job done. But she uh but they both was just like you know, we, we respect they had, they've been there. When they spoke, they called a meeting, a call a hut. You know, we, 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 uh, we, we definitely, our ears was open. Yeah. I certainly believe we're in the 50th anniversary of Title IX. There's a lot to celebrate. 
celebrating the evolution of how women's sports has unfolded, still unfolding, taking a seat at many tables in the boardroom, sitting in the boardroom, running the boardroom. There are multiple documentaries that are surfacing, unfolding, producing. That certainly is evidence of women's sports that has surfaced that are unfolding, that are being produced, that are coming out, that are unfolding in 23, that have 3030, ESPN, there so many. And that is certainly evidence and relevance of how powerful this women's game and women's sports is and the impact it has and is having on media. Right. Well, you know, and it also is starting to show up in management too. You know, yeah. we are seeing women become part of ownership <laughs> groups. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders just hired a woman yep. today. Um, the president of the Las Vegas Raiders, first black woman to ever do so. Um, so you're starting to see that. And, you know, everybody knows Karen on this, but she uh, was invited to be part of the ownership group of the Kansas City Royals, yep. uh, the first black independent woman, right. uh, you know, which means she used her money. Um, so you see, you see things happening that are just amazing. It's, it's incredible. It's awesome. But um, anyway. Yeah, Ray, I want to be thoughtful with your time. Uh, I just want to ask you one more question. Uh, well, two more, but we're... we're are we in the, going in the right direction in terms of, is it just simply a, a matter of following the lead of you and what everyone before the people today in leadership positions are doing and their strength in numbers? Or is there something more that we have to do, not only in sports and in women's basketball, but as a country? Uh, because sports has always been a replica. The locker rooms have always been a replica of how you put your differences aside and come together for a common purpose to be selfless and get the job done. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think we still, we've come a long way. We still got a long way to go. You know, I feel like Becky Hammond is the, one of the best coaches, period. It doesn't matter whether she's coaching men or women. And um, I think that we need to start, um, I'm hoping that we get somebody like Becky that's going to become that first woman coach. It's kind of like we haven't had a woman president, you know, the United right. States. So we have a, a long way to go. I think that there are attitudes still out there about yeah. women, uh, about African-Americans and um, minority groups. And I think we gotta just keep overcoming them and keep battling, you know, and, and things keep rising up. And you're just like, I thought we took care of that. And it's, it's, it's there, it just keeps coming up. We keep pushing it down, it keeps coming up, keeps pushing down. And, um, but I think I have hope in the young people yeah, because they are speaking out, right. you know, they're getting involved, they're getting engaged. And I have hope in some of these in the sports world that they are including women at the table on the court, on the ownership group. They're allowing women to be assistant coaches in the NBA. Um, so I see it happening. And I, I think we just, we got to just keep going up that hill. Um, anyway, it's, it's, um, it's a lot better than it was. It is. And I, I, but I do think there needs to be more white allies like you, Judy, Dr. Lapchick, 
That's why yeah. I've been very critical of Tom Brady and all the NFL quarterbacks that are white that do not speak out enough in these spaces because their platform is a million times more than any platform in the world of sport, in the world of sports. And so all we can do is continue to be ourselves. And it speaks, you speak to the epitome of being your authentic self. And when you're your authentic self, your body of work speaks for itself. And it's been truly an honor to have you in the sports deli. And if anybody else has any parting words, I know um, a couple of you, Adrian, uh, if you want to share any thoughts, Molly, I can't thank you enough. Machine gun Molly, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, anybody else, you yeah, know, for I, the good I'm of the here. cause. Yes. That's a great show, Michael. Uh, everybody just had appreciate some you. really thought-provoking things to share. So I appreciate it. I appreciate getting the opportunity and the platform to hear uh, these important messages. Yeah, for those of you that Thank don't know, Molly was on our show uh, before. And, you know, if you don't know part of her story anyways, you know, she's a testament to, um, you know, how it was back in the day fighting for your kids. And because of a program cover uh, promoting women's professional basketball, uh, she lost, you know, the opportunity to parent her kid temporarily. And what she had to go through to fight, you know, to be a mom and for her kid is in and of itself an extraordinary story. So if you haven't checked that, that out and read about that, you should, because it's amazing. Besides her basketball prowess, <laughs> she was a baller. You better, <laughs> she could score. Still holds the record in women's professional basketball. Absolutely. Okay, so Ray, uh, if you could have any, let's see, how many, how many do you want, Elizabeth? Five through four, three, two. If you could have anyone at your dinner table, let's say three, let's split the difference, that you'd never met before, and you met a lot of people, um, and dead or alive, who would you have at your dinner table? Wow, what a question. <laughs> um, you know, I should, what? I should probably I, ask you also right, people that you've right met place. before, because it would be interesting to have people that you've met and then you <laughs> versus people that you haven't met. That would be really interesting. I gotta tell you, one of the best dinners I had was with these ladies right here and Lucia Harris. Oh, and I was so oh looking forward God. to Queen of getting back with her because the conversations that we had, and I hope you all taped it. Somebody has it on their phone, right? Um, that was amazing. It was simply amazing. I think I wish I had known her before she passed away sooner. And, um, I've also been watching these first ladies have been running. Have you guys been watching the documentary on, um, the first ladies and how no, they but I wanted to, I want, oh to. my gosh, I gotta tell you, I, uh, I just think it is just amazing what they did to help their husbands get through you know mm -hmm. lady bird johnson wrote her husband's speeches and i'm like and then she'd say you need to do this you need to do that and i'm like oh my god oh my god but you know what i would love alive michelle obama i think that'd be great i'd love to meet oprah um i think what they have done has been simply amazing um and for on a personal note i would love to go back and and meet i wish i could have something with my grandmother that passed away when my when she delivered my mother and the twin the twin died too um i would love to go back and just see some of my family members um yeah. mm. that's what i'd like to do yeah oh my goodness well hey well 
if, if she got some collard greens, whether she invite me now, I'm sitting at the table. <laughs> <laughs> you make the best collard greens here. I'm just telling you, you need to come back to Kansas City. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Well, anytime you guys want to come back on the show uh, or you have any any thoughts about anybody that you think would be, uh, you know, a good fit to keep the conversation going. Uh, we've done our best to try and create a safe space and to, to honor especially uh, amazing sheroes and queens, um, people that have done it when, it when it wasn't popular and it was hard. And uh, that's why it's easier for people now to do what they're doing. And they need to know the history like Elizabeth always talks about. You know, Rick Barry talked about that also. Even the NBA players don't truly know what it was like to be an NBA player back in the day. And so we need to make sure that they're all aware and humbled by that because the game is bigger than all of us. Yes, it is. And I, you know, thank you all for having me. Uh, I love, I appreciate every one of you. I just think you guys are amazing. And uh, I just feel honored to be here. And thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. I really do. And thank you for your heart. That's great. I love that you're being an advocate. Amen. Yes. Amen. Mm -hmm. Mike, I just want to- Thank you, Michael. I'd like to just share a quote in honor of Ray. It's by Helen Keller. Alone, we can do so little, but together we can do so much. And we need to, together as women advocates of moving this game forward as high as it can go, we need to continue to do that. The WBL coming into the light of the WNBA, just like the ABA is already in the light of the NBA. True. We need to continue to empower this process and follow your lead, Ray. This is your legacy. Your legacy is our platform. Amen. Mm. Nicely said. Amazing. Ray, any parting words? No, I, I wish I had kind of known that this was going to happen i just appreciate <laughs> it so much um i just uh, like it, it was happening i um i thank you all for everything and i appreciate it and you know i just one thing i would say about my career at nike it wasn't it was a team it was a team of women mm -hmm. uh, for the most part and um, they really made it happen um and so I appreciate them as well and thank them. And anyway, and thank you all. You guys have been in one of the, the biggest joys that I've had in the last couple of years. I've loved yeah. each and every time we've spent together. And um, you all know that uh, they're going to honor uh, Coach Washington November 18th, 19th, and 20th in Lawrence. And I hope yeah. that uh, you all put it on your calendar and come support mm -hmm. that great lady because what she's yeah. done has been amazing. So. Anyway, you got that, Ruthie? You gonna pop on the plane? Oh, I got time. I was like, yeah, hey, you know, I, you know, I got to plan for Vance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you had, yeah, you had to tell me waiting in advance for me to do stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Hey, count, hey, count me in. All right. Rock, chop, Jayhawk. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> Elizabeth, I can't thank you enough for everything that you've done. Um, you know, in front of the scenes, behind the scenes, uh, for the you know, the sport of basketball, but just for women, uh, you know, you're exhausted, you're recovering from knee surgery. I mean, you just, <laughs> you're, you're amazingly um, inspiring woman. And uh, you've always been about empowerment and yeah. the greater good and paying it forward. 
and that's really the most amazing thing that I can say is uh, I've learned from you, you know, having had you on here three times and getting to know you. So I appreciate you so, so much for teaching me so much about women, black women, sport of basketball, and uh, anything I can ever do. You guys know that uh, all you got to do is call. Let me know I'm there. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for thank allowing you, us to come together yeah. like this. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. All right. all right. Thanks so much, everybody. Thank you, Ray. Thank you, Ray. Uh, You're welcome. Thank you. Congratulations, Ray. Much love, everybody. Thank you. Hey, thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Ritha, Adrian, Molly. Thank thank you. Thanks, Michael. All right. All right, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You guys thought that was going to be the end of it. Well, we have an additional almost 28 minutes. And as promised, here is that commercial with Ruthie Bolton. Mighty Ruthie. Mighty Ruthie. Mighty Ruthie. She is infantry, serving our country. I want a gold medal. The gold medal. We are number one. Number one in the USA. So we have some bonus content for you. Uh, Molly Kazmer was so kind to stay with me after everybody jumped off the podcast, and I wanted to take the opportunity to talk to her and surprise Elizabeth in particular because of her tireless work in this space of advocacy, empowerment, and making sure that everyone remembers the history a professional women's basketball. So Molly, thanks for joining us and uh, hope you guys enjoy this conversation with Molly and I in honor of Elizabeth McQuitter, president of Legends of the Ball. Thanks Molly for popping in. I appreciate it. Glad to do it. I was running 100 miles an hour, but thank you so much. Well, thanks for everything you're doing. It's really given us a great platform. We're very appreciative and you're spot on about Liz. She's amazing. She inspires me every day. I can't believe what she accomplishes. And I just put myself first in line to cheer her on and support her because the sacrifices she makes and the way she just piles on, no matter, she just says, you know, they won't take my soul because the nose and the door slams in our faces and stuff. So she never quits. She never quits. So no, she's she's an amazing advocate, and uh, she's so passionate about the importance of you know paying it forward and people knowing the history of the game. And you know, some people just you know understand how important it is to leave because we're living in a time leave the legacy uh, on so many levels, so many eras, and so many decades. Because you know we're living in such a different time now. So as much as the young people yeah. are going to advocate in a different way it's also a me 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 you know instant gratification uh you know time and so that part is not necessarily going to get done unless people like her who truly understand it and you know the people that fought for title nine and everything you know are 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 there to lay the foundation so it's etched in stone i think she's going to have a really significant impact uh, at all levels uh you know she's trying to do the recognize your college trailblazer um know your WNBA history or they're the new forgotten if, if you don't 
honor and remember your history. So what she's starting with the WBL is definitely, you know, influencing the other levels of the sport for women because it's all about honoring what's come before you and recognizing them and uh, getting inspired by it. Because how do you get inspired by a story if you've never heard it before? You know, and oh. I mean, how many, how so many I, World War II stories do we hear still, even to this day? Oh, yeah. That, we, that we never knew about. about. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's I just, amazing. As a matter of fact, that you said that I just saw this thing. I forget what I was watching. I think it was just one of those shows on Discovery. But um, this guy had faked uh, a pandemic to keep the uh, Nazis from taking over these Polish villages. Wow. And he figured out a way to fake a pandemic that they would test positive for a disease so that, that so the soldiers wouldn't come kill them and take them away. And he saved them. He saved something like 8,000 people because he oh. discovered a way to give a false positive for this for this virus. It was amazing. Oh, my so you're God. you're talking about all these stories coming out, you know, all these years later from World War II. I was just sitting there going, oh, my gosh, that is so amazing. So amazing, so inspiring, and that you know she didn't yep. want to. She didn't want to be on ESPN just to be on ESPN. It was to, you know, along with the 1976 Yale rowing team, you know, so people really understood what it was like and what it is like now. Right, 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 right. And you know, she said such dynamic, such dynamic things that they used them for for shorts and for, um, you know, throughout the entire documentary and different the different parts of it. They brought right. her in and some of her quotes because she just you know just nails it nails just it nails it and we oh. all learned so much from her <laughs> so i you're talking to number one fan i'll find anybody to be your number one fan <laughs> I, I, I love her to I death man she is she's amazing i do oh, amazing i really so. wish i would have started on the women's side i you know i was on the men's side 15 years and this is my 15th year on the on the women's side and Wow. It's just such wow. a different energy and vibe and collaboration. And I just wish I had, you know, seen things for what they are earlier because I would have probably been better off in the fight, you know, back then just because of my personality and, and that type of yeah. thing. But, you know, better late than never, I guess. Absolutely. And, you, you know, speaking of that, back when we were playing in the pro league, um, we didn't have the women's support like we should have had. And like they do now, um, I mean, we would go to, I, we would literally go to gay bars and because they treated us better than anybody, Amazing. but uh, as far as supporting us, cheering for us, treating us like we were pro athletes, you know, but as far as the, the general society of women, um, it just was not there. Well, they were I probably mean, judging you too, just because you should have been a stay at home wife. May possibly, I, you know, I'm not really sure what it was, but I've been asked before, who was your fans back then? And if you looked in our crowds, we had a mix of, we had men, we had boys, um, you know, there were grandparents there, there was little kids. So, I mean, it, you couldn't really pinpoint one, one um, you know, oh. uh, dynamic for that because it was, they were so mixed up but what i felt like we really missed though was that women supporting women and we're still fighting mm. for that now really right you know and i mean i think this whole thing with the supreme court what's going on it's really knocked a lot of females up inside the back of the head going hello wake up you know it's time to stick together here and stand strong if you're gonna have any rights going forward 
you know? And, and even though we already had a lot of activists, um, I think it probably inspired a lot more to step up, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That could have been As a whole show by itself. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But yeah, we, I, I, I like seeing, you know, the activism of the WNBA and how they especially, you know, that they have the whole women supporting women thing because right. I didn't feel that we had that in our day. You know, we were still just trying to knock down the doors of society to, to get them to accept this for, you know, as athletes. Yeah, and, and you could sport, wrap your head around sport, it. Yeah. yeah. But now you can't. And that, <laughs> well, you can't. You can't, you can't wrap your head yeah. around, even if that's your personality, because of what people like you did and, and everyone that I talked about earlier. You just you you just can't do that. You have to you have to speak out now because it's not hard. Like I said, as hard, and that's why I'm so frustrated by the white male, uh, you know, football players and and their lack of support for women right. for black women and, right, and right. this this space because it would go so much further. Yeah, the guys with the biggest platforms. Yeah, biggest. So platforms. Now I think you're seeing. We've always seen uh, NBA men support us yes uh, you know even in those documentaries you had um you know oscar robinson saying things there's quotes from will chamberlain there's quotes from julius Irving um supporting the wpl i mean those things are things we're, we're really proud of is that that the men wow. were always there for us mm-hmm. of saying you should go watch these women play they could play no they're not dunking the ball no they're not hanging in the air but it's exciting and it's it's entertaining. Yeah, but so, Molly, you know this is better than I do. Timing's important, right? And so when the WNBA players, you know, supported Reverend Warnock in 2020, the timing was important. You know, forcing uh, Kelly Leffler out, the timing was there. Right. People well, have advocated, that was, that, and that was gutsy. That was so gutsy. Gutsy. You know, but people have advocated yeah. before, and so when you see things happening, like another African American. Uh, man killed you know why that's the time to speak out you know right. how's right. that going to hurt you you know and so those are the things that are frustrating because timing's important when it comes to these things did you hear about one right. white quarterback speaking out when the black guy was killed and 60 bullets wasn't were inside of him oh uh, no you don't no, see you don't hear anything they they're they're no. they're silent and their silence is deafening yeah. And so that that just can't continue to happen. It can't just be Gen Z and the kids speaking out, you know, right. and, and the trans right. community. Right. It has to be the it's a white issue and it has to be white male allies in large part, uh, especially sports, because they're the ones that people listen to. Right. Right. And that's, you know, uh, that quote from Obama, I think it was in the 37 words, he just said people's voices are heard and that's how change happens. So. But you have Absolutely. to have the, the ones that have the platforms that are people are listening to uh, yeah. on board with it all too. You're right. It's it's these you know these NFL quarterbacks that you know never never say a word collectively. Not not Tom. Not Peyton. Not Eli. I can't even believe I got this in today. I didn't think I was going to get it in, but I get it in every episode <laughs> talking about this thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, not Aaron. Not not Roethlisberger. Just retired. You know, n- nobody, not Troy Aikman, not, none of the white announcers, they're all silent. They say nothing wow. collectively. Wow. Do you know how much star power those those guys have collectively? Oh, big time. And, they, and, even and if just Peyton, one of them said something. I know, Peyton Scott, his, oh his media company is becoming a conglomerate. 
You know, I mean, I was on uh, uh, Vince Carter's show and mm. he just keeps expanding and keeps expanding with, you know, game shows. I mean, you name it. He's got, he's got such power with the media right now. Um, says nothing. You know, says nothing. Says nothing. It's amazing. It's just truly amazing. And nobody's gotten a hold of them and said, dude, like, congratulations. Good for you. But right. Like, what right. the fuck Use are it you for doing? Good. Yeah. 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 Use, use, it. use your power for something good. Well, he we can talk like forever a, he about He seems that. like a good guy, but I don't know. I mean, has he not been approached? I mean, is he's, I don't know. I don't give a shit how good of a guy you are. You have an opportunity to, all you got to do is, is say anything. Just say anything in the space that has to do with women, black women, or black men and systemic racism. Right. Why is it hard? I don't understand why it's hard. Like you're a private person or you don't want to ruin your brand or like what? Like that's what, that's what Ray embodied, right? She didn't care. She just did what was right. And she was just her authentic self. So how is that not your authentic self? Right. Right. Putting your name behind something that's an injustice. And it has been for so long. And now it's not hard. It's literally not hard right. to speak out. You're right. You're right. Because people have, you know, taken taken the brunt of it. You know, I mean, like Colin, Colin Kaepernick. Holy shit. I mean, Are you kidding me, Colin Kaepernick? Went, what he went through. What he went through. And then I even have my own relatives. I'm just like, I, I'm from a big family. So there's six of us. And um, half, of, half of my relatives are, you know, bashing anybody that stands up for you know black lives or anything i'm just like i don't even i don't even get it so it's just it's been really really hard to realize that there's certain states you can't live anymore there's certain relatives that you just don't have anything in common with anymore and you know it's it's just really it's a sad state of affairs it is Yeah, well, and that's what being in the space that you guys were in taught you in part was do not mess with marginalized spaces and communities and people because they will be the ones that advocate the most for others that are being marginalized. And it's it's the ones with white privilege, you know, a lot of times that just never have understood it. Yeah. For for a lot of true. reasons. True. All right. Well, uh, man, it was great, great talking, talking to you, Michael. Yeah. Yeah. Anything Sorry, I can you know, do. That, that, that day that we were on that time I was doing open house and uh, <laughs> that was awesome. You know, I sold that place in like three days. So, um, yeah, that, awesome. It wasn't for that open house. I actually had somebody buy that property for a million seven sight unseen closed with all cash. Yeah, let's go. And yeah, that was bizarre. <laughs> I know, but I had 30 people come through my open house and, and there was funky things wrong with that house and everybody poo-pooed it because they saw it, but these people just bought it. And I was just like, oh my God. Let's <laughs> okay, go. Okay, let's do this. <laughs> let's, let's go. go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's fine. All right, All right. Nice on that note. With you. Okay, you too. We'll talk soon. All right. Okay, take care, Michael. All right, Bye-bye. thanks. All right, Machine Gun Molly, ladies and gentlemen, that was, that was amazing. Uh, All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Boy, that was phenomenal. Great job and much love to everyone. Remember, Black Lives Matter. Stop the bullying. Stop the Asian hate. Contact your local and state politicians for any inequalities for any individual or any group that's being marginalized. 
Also, everyone, we want to raise awareness for those individuals that are currently imprisoned for nonviolent offenses, in particular those with long-term sentences that are disproportionate in particular to those people in the black and brown community. And I want to send a shout out to 40tons.co. 40 Tons is a socially conscious cannabis brand and they're a social enterprise using the regulated cannabis industry to fight injustice, in particular for cannabis prisoners. So check them out again at 40, the number four, the number zero, tons, plural, 40tons.co because what they're doing in the cannabis space and being a socially conscious company is truly incredible and uh, they have my full support and also wanted to remind all of you if you're having a tough time you can always call the suicide prevention lifeline and that number is 800-273-8255 that's 800-273-8255 and they are available 24 7 365 days you can also always check me out on Twitter, Instagram, and on TikTok, at Mike Hootner. Thanks again to our amazing sponsors, Breaking Tea, Sport RX, PSK Collective, City Lokes, and Moolah Kicks, which you can see right here up on the screen. You can search them online at BreakingTea.com, SportRx.com, PSKCollective.com, MoolahKicks.com, and CityLokes.com. And if you'd like to support us at the Sports Deli, we'd love to have you either make a one-time donation or feel free to make a donation monthly, either $0.99 a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. If you have uh, questions about that, send me an email again to thesportsdeli at gmail.com and I will send you the link on how you can do that. Uh, You can also find it at the bottom of every podcast on Spotify or uh, Apple Podcasts. Link at the bottom to support the show. Please check out our website at thesportsdelipodcast.com. Make sure that we continue the conversations with regards to three strikes and you're out at mandatory minimums, especially people that are in jail for nonviolent offenses. So those things need to change. And remember, gents and ladies, please remember to do your monthly self-breast examinations. And remember, guys, this afflicts about 1,500 men annually, with about a third of those resulting in death. So we want to make sure that we do our monthly self-breast examinations, both men and women. And guys, remember to do your self-testicular examinations every month as well. Until next time, remember it takes a village. For Dr. J and Coach K... I'm Hootie Hoot. This has been a production of Hootie Hoot Productions. Thank you for joining us in the Sports Deli, where everyone deserves a seat at the table. Remember, it takes a village. Much love, everybody. Peace.
Hey everyone, have you stuck around this long? Here's some additional content for you from this amazing podcast. Enjoy these outtakes, everybody. Much love. Karen Daniels here. Oh my God. Hey, Michael. Hey, Karen. Oh my goodness. Oh, this is Ray. Karen's not on today. Oh, I was going to say, if Karen's here, Elizabeth pulled a fast one on me. (laughs) (laughs) Karen is using, I think Karen's been using my computer. How do I change that? Oh, you know what? You probably just have to go into settings and just into your um, uh, into your Zoom settings, like, and then eventually, you know, you can just change who's using it at that time. But it's good though; it keeps people on their toes. I love it. Oh yeah. Hey, Rita. Hi. How are you? Good. Great to see you again. Well, I apologize, but I'm not to be seen today. No, no worries. <laughs> How do I uh, look? I don't know. There we, we go. Got to hit the uh, yeah. There you go. There we go. Shoot. Yes. Oh, the legend. Well, it looks yeah, like we- the other legends are up there. I see Susan Summons. Aretha. I see. I see hey. Raycon, but I see Mike Kuda, Food Productions. Thanks for inviting me and and uh, allowing me to be at the table with you today with Ray Pond and all of these other great legends. Oh man. You're the man. No, <laughs> yes. I'm not the man. I'm just uh I'm just a bridge and an ally. That's all I'm trying to do. I'm late to the party, but b- better late than never. Absolutely. Some of the best people coming to the party late make the party. Isn't That's that true. right? <laughs> That's true. That's so true. It's good to see you, Ray. Good to see you, Susan. Hey Eileen Hauser. Hey, hey Susan. Hi, Eileen. How are you? Hey, how are you guys? Hey, Eileen. Hey, Ree. Hey, Liz. Hello, Ree. Hello. Oh, my goodness. Boy, this is... (laughs) This is becoming something that I do not... I don't even have words for it. Holy moly. Hey, Ruthie. You got Ruthie on here? Hey. Hey, Ruthie. Can you hear me? Hey, Tiffany. Hi, everyone. Thank you for the invite. Oh, Hi, Tiffany. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Mighty. Liz. Hi, Ray. Who's that? Hello, Mighty Ruthie. How you doing? <laughs> Fine. How you doing? Who was that? Say, Susan. <laughs> How you doing, lady? Oh, amazing. I see, I see you making it happen. Hey, just like you, you making it happen. That's what we do. We're mighty and we have that mighty soul. Oh, yeah. yeah that, uh... Yes. Yeah. Hey, Ray. Hey, Ruthie. How you doing? I know where you at. I've been in that room. Right? <laughs> we could talk about that room for hours. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I finally I got everything I, out of the... I used to have all the boxes in the closet. But wow. it's out now. It I'm is. I'm glad you, Ray. I have it all in boxes in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a big enough house to put it anywhere. Hi, Eileen. Hey, how are you? Doing well. Oh, let me put my camera on. That would help. I think Elizabeth's making another secret deal right now as we Oh, there I am. I didn't realize. (laughs) Uh, Eileen. How are you, Ruthie? Good to see you. Oh, good. Good good to see you, too. (laughs) Look at these legends. How you doing, Liz? uh, These are some, some legends. Look at Adrian. 
Hi. Hey. Hey, Adrian. Hey, Ray. I always loved your background, Ray. Yeah, oh my I just, goodness. I'm excited to do it here today, so I'm excited. <laughs> it took a long time getting this. Everything, like Eileen says, has been in boxes for years. So, yeah, well, it's put it together nicely. Yeah, Ruthie's is the first jersey, number six. I, I put her in first person, right? <laughs> Who did we lose, Elizabeth? Yes. We'll wait another minute to see if a couple more people. Oh, there she is. Elizabeth, are you anticipating anyone else from the legends of the ball? We never know. You never know. Oh, wow. I think that's probably oh. it. Nope. Molly on? I think Elizabeth's uh, pulling some sneaky things today. She's pulling out all the stops. Yeah. Is your video, I mean, your audio on? It, it shows that Elizabeth's audio is on, but she's working some backdoor deals right now. Mm -hmm. Eileen, how are you doing today? You feeling better? Hopefully I should be good today. Absolutely. I'm supposed to be on a red eye tonight, so I'm right. like, <laughs> I gotta be good to go. <laughs> Wow. Elizabeth, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, good. Uh, anyone else that you're anticipating? Because the, there may be people I that- I thought Molly, yeah, we can go ahead. I thought Molly was getting, I was waiting for Molly. And uh, I know Char was gonna try, but she's at work, so. Yeah. And Annie was gonna, I didn't hear back from Annie. So we're, we're good, I think. Okay, I'll do a brief intro. I'm not gonna intro everyone until post-production because uh, you know we're here to honor all of you, I am, uh, but you know we're here today really to, you know, honor Ray and and uh, what you know she has meant, especially this year on the 50th anniversary of Title IX. Um, and so I'll do a brief intro, and I know a couple people have to, you know, get out of here early; their time is limited. But I I can't thank you enough. I, you know, I haven't got nervous for many of these podcasts before, but there's a few that I have, you know, Jay Billis was one. I was so nervous because <laughs> that was early on in this journey when we pivoted after, you know, uh, the murder of George. Um, and, you know, I met Elizabeth, I think I told her originally by accident. I was looking, I was actually researching Coach Hughes and she came up somehow, you know, during my, you know, vetting of Coach Hughes and, uh, you know, so oh, yeah. sort, of, sort of know the rest of the history with that, but let's rock and roll. All right. Thanks again, ladies. And uh, for all of you who have joined us today, thanks again, whether you were watching or listening. Until next time, much love, everybody. Peace.